It's January 27th, 2016, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum, solo flying, while co-pilot uh, Ryan Ozawa is off to the Bay Area. We'll kick off the show with a couple of news guests. Rod Hinman joins us by phone from the Big Island to tell us about some upcoming events. Then Ed White is here to tell us about this weekend's Global Game Jam. And finally, we'll delve into the mental health of a startup and explore some of the challenges facing the entrepreneur. Joining us for this conversation are Dr. Ryan Louie, Tarek Sultan, and Steve Sue. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions as part of the conversation. And you can send us a tweet. But first, I want to share a couple of events coming up. Hawaiian Airlines recently launched their new website and can... You can meet some of the team that developed it uh, tonight over at Wetware Wednesday. They're looking to hire more people for their software team, and uh, that's going to be like right after the show tonight. Uh, along with Hawaiian Air, there will be presentations by other community dev teams like High Capacity, Ohana JS, and Code for Hawaii. That's uh, Wetware Wednesday tonight, 6 p.m., right after the show, and it's going to be over at Mexico Cantina in the Ward Center over at Ala Moana, uh, Ala Moana Boulevard, and that's the Ward Center. And the other thing that I wanted to share with you about this uh, Wetwear Wednesday is that Hawaiian Air is actually going to be giving away 15,000 miles. So they're going to be running a little contest. And uh, my, my intel tells me that um, you're going to have to fill out a card, like get some stamps on a card, and if you get off stamps on this card, then they'll do a drawing and then you'll be qualified for this 15,000-mile giveaway. So that's kind of a cool thing. The other thing I wanted to share with you, this Thursday, which is tomorrow, January 28th, will mark the 30th anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger accident, uh, during which we lost Hawaii astronaut Allison Onizuka. In commemoration for, uh, of Onizuka's life, the State Senate and House will be issuing a joint certificate to the Onizuka family, highlighting the multiple contributions astronaut Onizuka's legacy has enabled over the years statewide. This event begins at 11 a.m. in the State Capitol Auditorium and will be followed at noon with a presentation by Governor Ige in his uh, fifth-floor ceremonial room, proclaiming January 28th as Ellison Onizuka Day in Hawaii. And, of course, the public is invited to uh, this event. Now, first up, we want to welcome Rod Hinman by phone, and he's calling in from the Big Island to tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on on the Big Island and the February events. Uh, welcome to the show, Rod. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Bert. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've been getting your uh, email newsletters, and I know, you know, there was a bunch of things that happened in, in January, and I, I apologize for not having you on earlier, but yeah, you've, got a, okay. you've got a bunch of things going on in February as well. Um, that's correct. Um, yeah, the, I had one event in uh, in January, and then the Hawaii Volcano Observatory was giving talks all around the island because it was um, Volcano Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, did uh, you get a good uh, turnout for that? I actually didn't end up going to Oh, you didn't volcano. go to your own event? <laughs> but but never fear. Um, they're coming back in February. Good, so good. Fe February 29th, Paulo Kubo is going to come. Uh, he's a seismologist with the uh, Volcano Observatory. He's going to come and talk, give a little bit more technical talk. Mm -hmm, uh, the, mm -hmm. the ones you know, before were sort of aimed at a general audience, and this is a more technical talk. Um, 
you know, for general technical audience, I guess I would have to say, um, about the shaking that's been going on on Mount Loa uh, over the years and how it's changed recently and what they think that might mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is on the, the latter part of the month, right, the 29th? That's, that's on the 29th, yep. And, and then uh, um, you got something tenth, else. Uh, Dr. Peter Sim, who's an emergency room physician, uh, who has um, been involved somewhat with the, the simulated Mars um, facility that's up on Mount Alone, the, the high seas right, right, facility. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, what's happening gonna, with that? So he, they're running their fourth mission now, and so he's going to tell us a little bit about the fourth mission and then also about the medical implications of a mission to Mars. Yeah, we've had uh, Kim, Kim Binstead on the radio talking about high seas and uh, aren't the uh, the astronauts that are there staying in the facility for like a whole year? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a long uh, time. And, so and there's it, certainly some medical issues involved if you're going to be isolated for that kind of time. Have you uh, have you some ideas on on what he might be talking about in terms of uh, you know some of the challenges being isolated for that long a period of time? I, I can only guess. <laughs> I know it's a it's a fascinating study because uh, they've gone from I think it was like a six month thing to like an eight month thing and now a year thing and you know in the beginning it was looking at different kinds of uh, you know maybe some innovation in in food preparation but now mm-hmm. it's more right. more I think uh, with uh, behavioral kinds of uh, yeah I think they issues. had in the the, late, uh, the third mission they had some certainly some psychological. Uh, Issues, right? It was, well, I don't know if I would go so far as to call it an issue. But, uh, you know, issues. they, 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 they learn from things. Yeah, yeah. And we'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, Rod, you got, uh, you've, you know, this uh, tech Pauhana is, mm-hmm. is what I, I understand. What it's, are you going to be calling it something different? Yeah, I've been doing it for now about four years, and um, I finally decided to join the 1990s and um, make a website. Well, and, welcome uh, <laughs> to the 1990s. That's right. <laughs> it's maybe a little more sophisticated than a 1990s website, but it's certainly not anywhere close to the Hawaiian Airlines site. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and um, you know, West Hawaii Tech Pauhana seemed like kind of a long for a URL, mm-hmm. and so I searched around, and some people have been suge- suggesting maybe we do a little bit of rebranding. Um, so it's Kona Science Cafe. Oh, okay, that sounds cool. Yeah, not trying to take away from from Bite Marks Cafe, but um, <laughs> but trying to align with there's a similar there's basically the the Nova organization, right? The Nova um, Science TV show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has organized science cafes mm-hmm. all around the country, mm-hmm, right? And uh, and the format's pretty similar to what we're doing, so we figured we should maybe align with that. So and, uh, you're keeping a pretty close tab of what's going on on the on the west side. Uh, which you know, Nelha is over there, and and uh, I guess you know you're you're also talking about the high seas and stuff happening mm-hmm. up at the summit. Um, is there a counterpart to, let's say, activity on the the Hilo there side? There definitely is, and I'm I, I don't have a lot of firsthand experience about it. Uh, and there's a, um, uh, a Hawaii Tech Exchange over there um, that Don Kosak is running, mm-hmm, right? And um, and they have a Hawaii Island Game Developers Group. That meets fairly regularly, mm-hmm. and, um, and and some other talks kind of similar to what what I do. Well, that's uh, that's a good point. I should uh, get get Don on should, the on the, the line, radio yeah. and have him talk about the stuff happening on the east side. Mm-hmm. So good. So where can people go and find out about the uh, these February events? So it's uh, KonaScienceCafe.org. 
Very good. And they're also tweeted out at Rod Hinman. Okay, and then uh, of course uh, the kind of key dates to look out for February what thirteenth and the February twenty ninth, uh, right? Tenth uh, and twenty ninth. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Rod. All right, thank you very much. And of course, next up is uh, Ed White, and he's here to tell us about the Global Game Jam. Welcome to the show, Ed. Hey, Bert. Nice to nice to finally come on. <laughs> yeah. So you've been involved with uh, sort of this game community. And we've talked about the global game jam a couple of times. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a event that brings people together, and you don't have to have any kind of a coding experience, right? I mean, no, and that's the that's the biggest thing that I wanted to come here and say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a game jam, not a video game jam. So really, you know, if you're able to think of something fun, uh, then you're welcome to come out. Uh, and even if you even if you don't think that you know how to design a game, you know we have people there that are game designers, and they're happy to mentor and teach you how to make stuff that you would be able to make in forty eight hours. You know, a card game, a board game, you can sketch it out, and that still counts. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so uh, you can have an idea for a board game. Now, don't you have to be a pretty sophisticated sort of game person to actually be equipped to come out and, and sort of explain the logistics of a, of a game that you want to kind of propose? No, I don't think so. Oh. And and here's here's the thing. Humans have been making games for millennia, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, the idea of a game developer, or I mean a game designer, you know, somebody who understands the psychology, understands the mechanics, can explain to you why a game is fun, is really a relatively new development, right? So... You know, you could come out and just say like, hey, I think that this idea would be fun. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then you just iterate it and you and you feel it out like, you know, like we've done since ancestral times. Mm-hmm. So really, I would say that the, uh, the, the bar for entry is really very low. And even if you feel like you don't know anything, there's so much experience there that you could come out, learn what you don't know, learn where to find the information that you need to know, and then kick off so you can be ready for ga- uh, Global Game Jam 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, can you run through the sequence of events uh, on the day of the Game Jam? Is it is it something where you go and then you can form a team? Or what's the dynamic of somebody coming <laughs> into this? So um, basically the way that, uh, that it works is that on Friday, this Friday the 29th mm-hmm. at 5 p.m., the Global Game Jam organization, so like the big mothership, is going to unveil a secret theme. And that way, everybody is only able to get to work at the same time. So right after that, they're going to have some keynote speeches, talk about what the event is about. Um, And then we're going to break off and we're going to do some mingling and some team formation. And basically what happens during that period is that you uh, pitch your idea, you talk to people, and uh, try to get people... (laughs) Excuse me. You try to get people interested in your event mm-hmm. um, and or in, in your idea. And so you don't, you don't need game experience to get people interested in, in your idea. You just need to go around and collect a team. And then once the teams are formed, uh, once everybody feels comfortable that they have what they need to do or what they need to be able to finish a game, then they go, they go off and then for the next 48 hours they're just going to, to work on building. Or I guess probably more like 45 hours at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the Manoa Innovation Center, where the event is being held, is going to be open 24 hours a day. So if you if you have the endurance to last the entire 48 hours and just work all the way through to finish a game, um, you know, like you're you're more than welcome to. 
And then at the end of the game jam, what happens is that we uh, we show off the the things that we made, and then we upload them to the Global Game Jam site so that the entire world uh, can take a look at what you made if you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, when you get to the point where you're actually pitching your game at the end of this sort of 48-hour period, is the... Oh, the, the pitching happens at the beginning. So you're, well, well, you're going to be demoing. Or, uh, it's oh, a, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the, de- the demo period. Yeah, right? you the demo, demo your game period. at so the end. So you're demoing... Is the demo going to be uh, an online kind of a, let's say, an internet-based game? Or is it, let's say somebody wanted to do a board game. Could they do a, a, a board game and, and demo the board game at that point? Yes. At, after the 48 hours? So, so it doesn't have to be yeah. an online thing, right? The, the, demo, the demo at the end happens in person with all of your peers who are gathered at, you know, kind of the, clothing, the closing ceremonies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, you know, kind of like GitHub. You know, the Global Game Jam has a hosting space so that people, teams are able to upload their games and other people are able to kind of check them out. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not going to be confined to just the audience that you have right there. If you feel like you've made something really great, then you can you can upload it and you can tell the world. It's like, hey, here's this thing that I made. Uh, check it out. Give me feedback. Play it. Let me know what you thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, in previous game jams, what were some of the, the secret uh, missions that were revealed or unveiled. Well, wouldn't be much of a secret if I told you. Now, no, no, no. But these, are, <laughs> these are past games. These are past games. Um, well, <laughs> excuse me. in In the past, in the in the past, um, they've done stuff sort of like um, misdirection. Uh-huh. So, so uh, for example, it was games about trying to tap into the human psychology where. The the idea was that they wanted you to um, for the game to be a reflection of the player. Mm-hmm. So you were able to just kind of like choose the way that you played, and the game adjusted around uh, you know what you did. Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. one was about kind of like uh, control. So it was about the idea was about um, you know trying to put the player in situations where uh, like they had a precarious balance. So, like, for example, one of the ideas that came out of that game jam is um, tracking the heart rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the harder your heart rate is beating, the uh, the more it attracts, like, the monsters that mm-hmm, are that are mm-hmm. in the level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you're supposed to get from one side to the other. But if you're getting too amped up, if you're getting too anxious about the game, then the monsters start gravitating towards you faster. And then you have to calm yourself down. To be able to go on, and oh, so like, interesting. and so like, these were the experimental ideas that come out of Global Game Jam, right? Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's just a commitment of forty-eight hours, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's not it's not expensive. It's not a project forever. So it gives you an opportunity, you know, especially for more experienced developers out there. Um, it gives you a chance to say, like, hey, I'm going to do something really wacky and see if it sticks to the wall. And if it ends up being fun, maybe I'll keep on working now, on what it if, afterwards. What if somebody comes up with this you know, pretty great idea uh, and they want to actually turn it into a, a business? How, how does that work out for them? Well, the way, the way, that, license, uh, the way that licensing works at, um, at Global Game Jam is that everybody owns their own IP. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so whatever you make uh, belongs to you. So the way that it would work is that um, afterwards, you get together with your team, and you probably want to, you know, seek out a lawyer to be able to figure out a contract for how you're able to, uh, con- you know, move forward. Whether, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, whether you know, the rest of the team is just going to give you the concept and the code, and 
you know, get equity in return or something like that, mm-hmm. or if everyone wants to continue working on it. But there, there is no intellectual property risk, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, because whatever you make is yours. You're able to take it away, um, and nobody's going to be making a buck off of, off of your work if you don't want them to. So is there uh – so there's no there's no real risk in that. Have you have you uh, come up with any or seen any examples of people taking uh, taking their idea that they actually did the demo on and actually create something that resulted in a a commercial ready for prime time game? Mm. That's uh, that's a good question. I don't I don't know any off of the top of my head, but um, I don't remember any from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there must be something because we're talking about literally a worldwide event. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wish that I could show you the Slack instance where all the organizers are, and you know, you have uh, people in Sydney, in Chile, in uh, you know, in Russia. Mm-hmm. You have people everywhere creating games. So I'm sure that out of out of this entire global community, there must be some people who have gone on to at least you know finish their game and and market and product, uh, or market it and um, and sell it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but Ooh, yeah. but honestly, I don't I don't know, but I'm sure that it must have happened. Well, good. Well, uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out on the uh, Global Game Jam, and and if you remember, send me the link where the games are going to be posted after the event, so that we could uh, you know let people see what resulted from the Global yeah. Game Jam. Well, so so tell us again where where when uh, is this event? Well, the the uh, the games will be posted in the same place where you're able to find out more information about the event. Okay. So if you go to the uh, the website globalgamejam.org mm-hmm. and you go to the sites tab mm-hmm. or locations tab, sorry, then you should be able to just search for the Manoa Innovation Center site, uh, and then uh, that's that's how you're able to get the information for how to get there, uh, and uh, and you're able to RSVP, and then. Uh, on on the globalgamejam.org site, once the jam is done, the site is going to convert to be able to show all the uh, all the projects that came out. Very good. So that's uh, this coming weekend, starting on Friday, correct? Starting at Friday at five, and then going all the way uh, until Sunday at five. Sounds good. Thanks, Ed, for joining us. Thank you so much. And of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Dr. Ryan Louie, Tarek Sultan, and Steve Sue. What happens when a startup founder shoulders the success or failure of their company? We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. So you can give us a call. That number is 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, I'm live here in the studio. You can tweet me at ByteMarks. This is ByteMarks Cafe. Oil's cheap, gas is cheap, but hey, you've got a hot new electric car. The boat really is uh, an investment in the future, and so we look at this car to be uh, the breakthrough to take EVs mainstream. I'm Kai Rizdahl, the woman whose job it is to make that happen. Next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, following Bite Marks Cafe. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Don Miguel Ruiz is a most beloved spiritual teacher. Next time on New Dimensions, he'll be talking about his spiritual journey while spending nine weeks in a coma following a heart attack. Sunday morning at 11. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. Joining us today are Dr. Ryan Louie, Tarek Sultan, and Steve Sue. Ryan is currently a psychiatry resident physician over at the Department of Psychiatry at the uh, John A. Byrne School of Medicine at the University of uh, Hawaii, Manoa. He's a graduate of the Medical Scientists Training Program and has an MD and PhD, Molecular and Cellular Physiology, degrees from Stanford University School of Medicine. And Ryan specializes in the psychiatry of entrepreneurship, focusing on the mental health issues of entrepreneurs during the startup venture formation process. And, of course, uh, Tarek and Brother Omar run Sultan Ventures, and that's the Hawaii-based venture capital firm. And, of course, Accelerate UH, an accelerator helping and mentoring University of Hawaii entrepreneurs. Now, last but not least, uh, Steve Sue here maintains stakes in technology companies, including SaaS Ventures, a publisher of cloud-based software-as-a-service development platform, that several apps rely on, including BizGym, and of course, uh, Story Manager Inc., a business branding and digital marketing firm, and Rank HI, a digital marketing partnership, and LayHut.com, an e-commerce platform for Hawaii products. You know, basically, Steve is a serial entrepreneur, and of course, uh, how do entrepreneurs deal with the pressure of starting a business and, of course, maintaining it? We'd love to hear your questions and comments. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you very much, Bert. This is Ryan Louie. And uh, before we start, I just want to give a couple things that our audience should know that uh, this program here is educational in nature. It's not any medical advice. And uh, the views are just my own and not reflective of my employer. And uh, the research that I'll talk a little bit about today was done as a research, uh, as a resident physician at the Department of Psychiatry. University. Well, good, good. With all disclosures. Uh, <laughs> I think he studied law, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, that being said, uh, Bert, I'm really happy to join Bite Marks here today to talk about the a startup mental health and the psychiatry of entrepreneurship. It was a topic that I was interested in, uh, started uh, back at Stanford when I was working in the laboratory. I saw a lot of uh, graduate students, postdocs doing research with the experiments going up and down. And I kind of wondered what caused and allowed people to maintain their motivation to go through the tough times and to see it out to the long uh, span of things so that they could really do the research and, and get something out of it. It was really inspiring, and I started looking at psychiatry because it was a very multidisciplinary part of medicine that mm -hmm. incorporated many things, So, and here I am. So was there something I mean, specific about this sort of category of people that would uh, perhaps lend themselves better to being studied in the way that you're sort of uh, looking at the you know entrepreneurs? So that's a great question, Bert. Um, when I first looked at this question of what is creativity, what is innovation, I was first thinking, are entrepreneurs just like everyone else, like mm -hmm. at companies or any other type of work? What's so special about them? And um, I know we hear a lot about uh, popular figures and entrepreneurs and iconic people, and, and we have all 
have certain images of what an entrepreneur is. But I was wondering, could there be more to that story? And so I started by looking into the clinical literature at the PubMed database mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Uh, medical literature, trying to find out what kind of mental health issues or what kind of parts of psychiatry uh, are, are involved in people in the creative process. And that's where it's kind of taken me. Well, so you know, just to give everyone listening a sense of how our panel is, is uh, uh, represented here, of course, Tarek, you have Sultan Ventures, you have Accelerate UH. You're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs come through the programs that you guys support. And so that's, you know, you have a very good view of a lot of uh, people and, and how they're dealing with some of these uh, environments. And of course, Steve Sue, you're the, you're the quintessential, uh, you know, entrepreneur with so many startups that I, I don't gotta, know about that. I, 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 I break a lot of stuff. That's true. Well, and, and I, I know you, you can uh, probably speak firsthand about a lot of the, the sort of the stresses that might go along with it. But, sure. Tarek, we'll start with you. I mean, the environment that, that you're involved in, uh, you're seeing a lot of young, you know, kids coming into the accelerator program. Um, what is it that you char- can characterize about perhaps uh, what they're enduring? Sure. So it's it's you know this whole concept of entrepreneurship um, is kind of a, a catch twenty two. It's kind of a conundrum, right? Um, as an entrepreneur, you have to be a little bit uh, delusional, mm-hmm. <laughs> optimistically delusional, right? But it, it's supposed to be healthy. The thing is, um, whatever you're you're looking to do, whatever you're looking to to imp- leave your impact on the world, um, most likely won't. How you're planning to do it most likely won't actually be the way to do it, right? So you're, you're going up against the market, against the environment. You're working all of these crazy hours. And there's an uh, there's the ability that um, not the ability, but there's the the chance that all of this hard work will ultimately lead to just a failure. Right. There's this unknown at the end of the tunnel and you're literally betting your life on this. Right. You're risking your friendships, your health, your your um, job, your finances, all on this unknown of whether or not it's going to be successful, right? So it takes a really uh, unique type of individual to 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 do something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Steve, I mean, you've been doing this for a number of different companies, and yeah. uh, maybe I want to get a sense of, would you characterize the entrepreneur being that you are one uh, differently for the, let's say, the, the, the tech entrepreneur versus, you know, the, the entrepreneur that's starting a, a restaurant or, you know, starting a small business? Sure, well, well, the first thing about entrepreneurs I, I want to mention is that I don't see them as nuts. I, I think that <laughs> they're people that just like to do stuff that's interesting to them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you look at a marathon runner or a triathlon guy or a guy that climbs Mount Everest, those guys are just like they're doing something because it's there. It's fun to do. And if it's a hobby, then that's sort of what drives you. And I, I don't know if it's an issue of sustaining yourself through the down times and, you know, keeping your inspiration up. It's more like, no, you're driven because it's fun. Well, yeah, you can say that uh, you're a, you're a fun guy. You're a happy kind of guy. I mean, I've 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 rarely seen you uh, bummed out about things, but you know, there's a there's a whole slew of emotions and and characters, and you know, everybody's sure. not cut from the same cloth as you, Steve. So, yeah, you know, well, I'm I'm thinking you can handle maybe the the tough spots, Ryan. I mean, what do you think? I mean, uh, when you start to look at entrepreneurs, uh, there's a you know they're I guess emotional makeup is probably different for every one of them. They will deal with problems differently across the board. Absolutely, Bert. Um, in terms of uh, what I've seen so far in in the in the in the blogs and on social media of what people have talked about, 
it has a lot to do with different kind of cultures, different kind of environments, and, and their own personalities of people and how they run their lives. And uh, and they react to stresses very differently. Uh, that's definitely one of the things I would like to look for in, in future types of research in mm-hmm. terms of um, what kind of cultural aspects are associated with mental health issues and, and what prevents them from getting help in the first place if they really need to. Well, you know, so so what would be, uh, let's back up a little bit. I mean, what are some of the typical uh, emotional situations you would think an entrepreneur would encounter? I mean, when you start to do your study, do you have a sort of a sense of what kinds of, are there, is there fear? Is there frustration? Is there anxiety? What is it that most entrepreneurs, as you study them, go through? Yes, so um, I have not seen entrepreneurs as patients in my clinics and in my uh, hospital rotations, but I have seen just general everyday people. And, and it's that universality of, of being human beings that I think is also transferable to the world of startups. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. in general clinics and the hospital have issues of, let's say, depression. They could be isolated. They may feel lack of motivation, lack of energy, burnout, mm-hmm. uh, workplace stress. These are all really important kind of issues. An important study in, uh, by a professor at UCSF, Dr. Michael Freeman, did a study last year and found that um, he identified mental health issues that were more prevalent in entrepreneurs than the average uh, population, including depression. Mental health issues more prevalent in entrepreneurs. T- Tarek, I mean, what can mm-hmm. what can you perhaps uh, validate that uh, well, anecdotally? Well, I read the same study. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so okay. yes, I mean it's it's it was crazy. He actually went out and spoke to about 250 entrepreneurs. Um, 49% self-reported some mental health issue of which uh, 30% was depression, right? And compare that to the general population, I think only 7% of people self-report um, depression. So it's definitely something that's pervasive throughout the, the, the startup community and entrepreneur community. And again, you're left with this you know, catch-22 situation. You're supposed to be, the found, as a founder, you're supposed to be super self-confident. I know I'm going to beat the odds. I know that I'm going to go on and, and raise you know, millions of dollars and, and return even more to my investors. I know that you know, for my employees... And, um, you know, my family, uh, I'm going to be able to provide for them. And yet you're stuck in a situation where you actually don't know, right? You mm-hmm, don't know how mm-hmm. the market's going to respond. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, to your question, are, are they anxious? Is, are they feel f- fearful? Um, are they stressed out? Yes to all of those. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it, it comes with the job. So as part of the, let's say, Accelerate UH and, mm-hmm. and the work that you do with the Sultan Ventures, uh, you're encountering these, these young entrepreneurs. They're going through whatever stress levels that they're going through mm-hmm. what role do you guys play as sort of the the organizers right. uh, to help them through that or are they for the most part left to their own devices it's uh it's a little bit of both so we want to be there to to lend that helping hand um and we want to be as proactive as possible but the the communication and dialogue needs to go both ways right and so um, if they're proactive enough to come to us for assistance, um, or us being, you know, the the mentors of XRUH, us the team ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's great. That's something that we can work with them. Uh, another area that they can turn to is their peers, right? And that's something that we strongly encourage: is that look, you're not going through this alone. Uh, you literally have a, your own cohort right here with you, right? There's other entrepreneurs in an area that you can network with, but this cohort's going through 
the same things that you're going through at the exact same time, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. leverage your cohort, leverage your peers, leverage us as much as you can. So that's the advice that we give them. Now, Steve, uh, I, I would um, ask you this question, but I'm not sure how you're going to answer it. I, 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 <laughs> ask like, it. I, That's I figure, every question with uh -oh. Steve. <laughs> I, I figure that there, there is probably some time in your entrepreneurial life that uh, you felt challenged. All and, the time. Okay, so, time. so yeah. maybe you don't, uh, you know, uh, let's say you don't have the benefit of a, a cohort of, of other entrepreneurs you uh -huh. know, in an accelerator. Yep. What do you do? to deal with the, let's say, facing that challenge of, of uh, not knowing how the business is going to turn out. Where, where do you turn? Talk to the dog. The dog. No, but here's the thing. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> so I think the challenge here is that I, I personally don't believe in solopreneurs, and, and that's where it gets really dicey. And the, I solo, think those, solo, you mean like, you know, like being alone and just- Being alone, and I'm going to make a business myself. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, okay, back up a little bit. Is that- why you think that a lot of businesses are or or um, founders are are highly recommended to have a co-founder uh, without question and okay. advisors and board members and you know a f financial officer you know technology officer ceo a lot of technologists think that they should be a ceo and they have no clue what it takes to be a CEO. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my challenge as an entrepreneur is to develop teams. Mm -hmm. I, I strongly believe in large teams. And in the space of uh, Infotech uh, plays, I think you start to see these really small teams. And the media celebrates little guys, like 20-somethings, making these businesses out of thin air. And many of them are pure technologists. And you know that was something I think that was relevant 30 years ago when Steve Jobs was making the personal computer for the first time. Mm -hmm. But today, business is so sophisticated that it's really more about business than it is about technology. So when you get technologists that think they, they can go all the way and be the CEO, it's like they're looking at this globe of knowledge and they see one hemisphere in the light, but they don't see what's in the dark side. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. it's really important. Now, I do a number of... Um, uh, consulting plays, like, for example, last year we finished up a project for Waihato, which is a food mm -hmm. distribution mm -hmm. company here, and we did this business called Chef Zone. Um, big team on that project, and, you know, it's big zeros behind it. Um, the challenge there was to develop a really smart team that can resonate off of each other. And, in fact, um, you know, I look at the same stuff that Tarek looks at and, and Ryan looks at, and, and uh, you guys saw the, the study that uh, Kaufman Institute did last year, and they found that your average infotech entrepreneur that's successful is like 55 years old. It's not the 20-something guy. So if you look at teams of people that are in their 40s, 50s, that's more of the people that are going to handle entrepreneurship on a more professional level. And they, you know, they're more like straight-laced, and they kind of get the, the basics of business. Um, so, so that's a good point. And so what, what, um, what is the uh, path by which a 20-something-year-old entrepreneur Listen. is going through yeah. that is m driven and passionate about creating you know, this, yeah. this next unicorn company. But then the statistics <clears throat> are saying that the likelihood of that uh, company really taking it to that next level yeah. is probably going to be that 55-year-old. So include so, guys like that on your team or as your advisors, but listen to them. Right, and that's that's I think one of the big things that the accelerators need to provide is mentorship. Now, what if you're what if you're not going through an accelerator program? I mean, the benefit of the accelerator program is that you have mentors yeah. that can kind of guide you along and, and and make these great recommendations. But what if right. you're what if you're out there 
struggling, you if know. If you have an idea that you can sell, that, that you can really get behind and evangelize and p- other people get it, many people will be, hey, that's a great idea. I went on, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. that's always that issue of is funding hard to get? Uh, my answer is funding's easy to get if you have the right idea and you're the right guy to execute the idea. Mm-hmm. You may have a great idea that is great for Google to do. And wow, that's nice that you thought that up, but Google is the better choice to actually take it to market, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have a seat at the table. And I think that's probably why the Kaufman study finds that you have these older business people that they know business processes, and that's the vast majority of what's being automated on the internet are these business processes. So if you have 30s experience doing something like uh, standard operating procedures, then you know how it actually works in industry. Right, so then right. you can hire technologists to help you automate it, but you have to guide that process. Um, if you start from the ground up and you've never done a standard operating procedure and you want to build something, and oh, that's a good idea, but you're not necessarily the right guy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you can be the younger person and get the older, wiser onto you know the ones that have had those gray herds that have that experience and get them on your team. But you have to be able to listen to what they're saying and integrate what what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. And that goes mm-hmm. back to the whole team concept. So, so Tarek, I mean. Most of the companies, obviously, that are involved with your uh, accelerator are developing a team because that's what you mm-hmm. guys are recommending them right. to do. Now, there are probably a bunch of them that you can't accept into the program, uh, so they're left to their own devices to come up with whatever. Do you have any lens into what happens to those guys uh, as they try to make it on their own. Right. Yeah. There's there's plenty of people who um, think that they can make it on their own. There's plenty of people that can make it on their own. Um, by no means, you know, just getting accepted into an accelerator is, is um, guaranteed for success, right? Um, but, it, you know, going back to what Steve says, it's a lot harder of a journey to do it on your own. Um, you know, not just in terms of success rate, but tying it back to this conversation, it's a lot harder on your on your emotional stress levels, right? So that's there's something to be said about having a diverse team. It, it provides different skill sets. It uh, provides different networks, right? Power of network is a strong, very strong correlator to success. But it also allows you to um, kind of res- split up that responsible bag- responsibility baggage that you have to carry as an entrepreneur and as a founder, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely think... Um, Going through a program, if you're able to, is great because you get you know you get your peers, you get your mentors, you get guidance from the accelerator itself. Um, but if you're not going to, or if you don't get accepted into one, I mean, utilize as many different types of um, startup initiatives that you can. Right, there's plenty in every single region. Hawaii is filled with them, um, ranging from you know Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship at the university, uh, Hawaii Venture Capital Association, Entrepreneurship uh, Foundation of Hawaii. So there's plenty of things that you can turn to to leverage that network, that expertise, um, and not go through it alone. I definitely think that's the hardest way to do it, both you know, as a startup, uh, as a founder uh, in terms of business success and as a founder in terms of your emotional uh, stress levels. These are really great points that Tarek and Steve Bird bringing up, that, uh, that it is a collaborative effort of using diversity of resources. It's the same in medicine. I think we medicine can learn a lot from the world of entrepreneurship in, in essentially busting down these silos of just individual disciplines to really look at integrated care, have continuity in all connections between mental health. Mental health is not just psychiatrists. It's uh, psychologists. It's uh, social workers, the counselors, mentors. It's it's a wide range of uh, many different people. So I really like the idea of, of finding different people to help out in various different ways and, uh, and to 
find people to help you along with the journey. Now, is this is that something that is a a new concept? I mean, when you're now studying sort of this entrepreneurial uh, category, are you finding that uh, you know this approach to looking at the holistic and the integrated approach to what services them uh, something new, or is that you know you know that's not been thought of before? I'm surprised. Deep down, I think it's always been there. I think people have always had it in their DNA that that health and, and the well-being isn't just one specific thing, but it's is, is made up of many different things in terms of what it means to be happy mm-hmm. and to live a healthy life. And I think what has changed is the formalization of it, the identification of, of new programs such as design thinking or of integrative care or of multidisciplinary treatment teams. That part in terms of systems has been, has been changed. Well, I th- okay, so you, get, you bring up a great point, and, and it's really kind of going back to the idea of you know, whether it's the innovation ecosystem or the entrepreneurial ecosystem. We want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Dr. Ryan Louie, Tarek Sultan, and Steve Sue about the emotional and mental challenges facing the entrepreneur. How do you deal with these challenges and maintaining your balance and maybe sanity? We'd love to hear your comments or questions. And, of course, that number to call is 941 3689 on Oahu or from the neighbor islands, you can dial 877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. My name is Paul Mancini. I live in Maui. We've been participants in underwriting Hawaii Public Radio for almost two decades. We feel it's almost a privilege to do it because we feel we're bringing something important to the community, something that's important to us, and a certain sense of pride in getting that done. Hawaii Public Radio, celebrating partnership, building community. Hi, this is Ray Cruz inviting you to join me tonight from 8 to 10 for Latin Beat. I'll be playing classic Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, Latin Big Band Classics, and share the latest releases in Latin jazz. That's Latin Beat tonight from 8 to 10 here on HBR2. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. See you tonight. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and we're talking to Dr. Ryan Louie, Tarek Sultan, and Steve Sue about the psychiatry and mental health of entrepreneurship you can give us a call. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, we were talking about the um, the idea of sort of the support network, you know, the innovation ecosystem and the entrepreneurial ecosystem. I think we're realizing that, you know, not only is the entrepreneurial ecosystem built around the idea of, let's say, these accelerators and, and venture money and ideas that, that uh, mentors, you know, and, and all the people that support them. But there is this aspect of the challenges that you might face as an entrepreneur. And what is that ecosystem out there that would perhaps provide you with some kind of support? Tarek, I mean, you, I know you were you were kind of talking about that maybe um Share with us your thoughts on what might be out there to give somebody a sense of, I'm not alone in this. <laughs> right. Uh, absolutely. Um, 
Well, first off, obviously, you could turn to the internet, which is probably part of the problem, <laughs> feeling uh-huh, lonely. Uh-huh. But there's plenty of blogs that that do indicate that yes, you're not alone, right? Um, there's a lot of services offered through the internet to interact with people both virtually and on and in in real life, right? So, in addition to our local ecosystem, I mentioned EFOI, I mentioned HVCA, Pace, um, obviously pretty much turn to any accelerator and they can point you in the right direction. Um, but more specifically in terms of online services, there could be meetups, right? So um, this is something that happens in, again, nationally. You could, you just put in, I want to meet up to interact with other entrepreneurs. So you can create your own event to talk about stress and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There's no there's no reason to kind of wait for something else to pop up, be proactive and reach out to the community because, again, 50% of the community, the, the startup community feels this way, right? So you are definitely not alone. Um, in terms of online services, there's this awesome um, startup I read about from Y Combinator actually called Seven Cups of Tea. And what it allows you to do is to share your um, your startup uh, stress basically as a founder anonymously. And so apparently there's been over 10,000 conversations on this site about you know the, the emotional needs and stress levels of uh, being a founder in a high growth startup or mm-hmm. any type of startup. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go through an accelerator program like Accelerate UH, you have them for X number of, of weeks mm-hmm. and you are giving them your undivided attention on uh, how to deal with whatever they're going through for that period of time. Now, they all graduate, they all mm-hmm. move on. They don't have you at their disposal. They always now, have us. They do. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. But you know, they're you've graduated them. Mm-hmm. They're they're for the most part. They're kind of moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they you know probably don't want to waste a whole lot of your time because you're more working on the next cohort. Uh, where do they tend to go if they don't go back to you? Right. Uh, that's where I would recommend that at every stage of your startup life or just a, your individual personal um, professional development, you should have a mentor. Um, I've, I've personally found that having mentors has been unbelievably uh, valuable. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that you can talk to when you can't turn to anyone else. You can't let necessarily let the public know, um, you know, what troubles you're facing or what issues you have, right? So I would definitely recommend all of our to all of our startups, um, or just to anybody in the startup industry to find that you know one or two mentors that you can turn to, mm-hmm. and to um, you know just lifelong advice for our cohort is to celebrate the small wins, right? Celebrate the small victories. And we do that at Accelerate UH um, as part of, you know, Luke Tucker's idea to have a Cubano memento. So we all cheer um, anytime there's a little victory along the way to, you know, we cheer a piece of candy basically. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just like, yes, you know, remember why you're doing this. Um, Remember that it's, it's those small things along the way, you know, don't just, it's important to have your eye on the prize at the end, but appreciate the small victories along the way. Now, Steve, uh, you know you're you're well along the way of creating multiple companies that you're managing, probably all in parallel. Uh, do you have somebody that you go to as a as as your mentor? Or? Oh yeah, I have a number of people for different plays, and you know the thing about developing plays is that. As you develop a team, you'll realize that some fit, some don't. And it's not right or wrong. It's not like this person's good or this person's bad. It's just sometimes people don't fit together. And so as, a, as an entrepreneur, I think what you look at is your chances of finding the right team to execute a specific idea. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones like if you look at what VCs do, you know, they're looking for a fairly low hit rate, right? They'll invest in a whole bunch of different plays hoping that one hits. So uh, the formula for finding the right team of people it, it that's really what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess to answer your question originally is like, you know, for the entrepreneur, if you do things like meditate, do yoga, uh, go drink beer, uh, mm-hmm, get a mm-hmm. get a prescription from Ryan and, and relax <laughs> a little, right? 
Uh, but I think that if you know yourself better and how you fit or what you don't necessarily know how to do, and then you go find the people that fit, whether it's a mentor class person or a partner uh, or a technical person, um, that's sort of the whole nine yards to me is really looking within, right? Self-discovery, knowing what you're good at, uh, learning how to listen, um, self-exploration, knowing who you are, well, and learning how to become a team player you know, that's is, a great point that you, you bring up because there, uh, I was reading about this fellow. He, he goes by the name of, of Ming, uh, Cheng Ming Tan, I think it is, over at Google. And what uh-huh. he did was he started something called Search Inside Yourself. Yeah. And yeah. what they... Or what he recognizes is that uh, you know there's all these stresses that people are encountering. Yeah. Our pace of life is is going faster and faster and faster you with bet. the with the with the information that is now available at our fingertips. Uh, y- you know, people can easily feel inundated. Sure. So his program and sort of uh, course that he teaches, which I guess has gained quite a bit of m- momentum over at Google, is uh, based on meditation. Yeah. And I think a lot of it sort of boils down to finding that centeredness look inside, yeah. In yourself yeah. uh as as a first step. And of course, leverage your your mentors that are supporting you as well. Absolutely. But if you're out there sort of flapping in the wind, I mean that in and of itself is a problem. Absolutely. And in fact, um we we have a little bit different take on this in our foundation. Uh, if you look at bizjim.org, mm-hmm. um so we have a 501c3 that does programs to help entrepreneurs whether they're young kids doing Lemonade Alley, which by the way it's opening for called entries f- February 1st, so that's coming up in April. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, okay. so yeah. we want to talk I'll, about that I'll later, sure. That, yeah. yeah. But um we have these, this other program that Kimmy Bamalera, our mm-hmm. EDC created uh, last year which is called Hawaii Improv uh, Fest and we use acting uh, uh, techniques to really study who are you and you know the whole the whole point of acting when you get on a stage with another person is to acknowledge them and support them and it's kind of all the things you want to do as a great team player great team member and uh, she is really expert at improv comedy mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. so we have a number of like executives locally that take her classes because they learn how to be better people it's like the better version of Toastmasters. Mm-hmm, it's not just mm-hmm. oration, but it's looking inside and it's learning how to listen better. Be- if you're on a mic with somebody else, like you got to hear what they're saying because you want to respond very directly mm-hmm. to what they're asking you. Um, so I think that that is not only really a fun way to learn how to become more real human being, but it, it has um, a lot of the uh, magic and and you know secrets to how to become somebody that would be that great entrepreneur. Well, you know, uh, I was at the uh, Buffer uh, Fireside chat yesterday, which featured the two co-founders, Leo and and Joel from uh, from Buffer dot com. Yeah. And what was interesting to me was that they pointed out the fact that they have actually incorporated the idea of mindfulness and meditation into their corporate culture. And I'm hearing more and more about that kind of uh, infusion of, of self-reflection in the tech community uh, in Silicon Valley. Now, I'm wondering, Tarek, I mean, do you mm. see that kind of taking <clears throat> hold here in Hawaii, that level of whether it's meditation or yoga or, or some way of, of finding that centeredness uh, here in Hawaii and the cohorts that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. And and forget about the cohorts. I think I'm I'm trying to do it a little bit okay, more. Good. So, um 
Yeah, no, I, one of the problems with, you know, being an entrepreneur is you're supposed to dedicate your life to your startup and you get into this obsessive nature mm-hmm. where everything's about your work. You have to learn to kind of step back from that and, and focus back on your health and your, you know, med- uh, meditation, mindfulness, etc. Um, so that's definitely a priority and it's definitely something that um, is growing in, in trends um, across the nation as well as here in Hawaii, right? So, um, you know, we were joking before the, the show started about my... my uh, my New Year's resolutions yeah, and how right. I broke it today, but it, without a doubt, you're able to concentrate. You feel less stressed. You're more more energized if you are living a healthier lifestyle. And so it's definitely something that um, entrepreneurs should focus on if they're not already, um, and make sure that you keep that healthy um, portion of your life, right, the work life balance, alive in your startup, and don't push it aside and only focus on work, right, because mm-hmm. your productivity will eventually. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about that uh, in the context of of, of hackathons. But before mm-hmm. we go there, uh, Ryan, I mean, are you seeing this as a predominant way of perhaps reinforcing the entrepreneurial uh, uh, sort of being by finding that that sort of place of of balance? Absolutely, I think the things we just talked about are really important, and what it really points to is the human need for trust and empathy. Just as we're talking here at this table and in front of the microphones, we encourage all our entrepreneurs out there to find someone that they trust that can really have a deep-down conversation about their feelings, what worries them, what's on their mind. Because as we talked about, it's so important to be self-aware, but sometimes it can be very hard for an individual to be able to know what they feel. They might depend on a family member or a close friend that says, hey, you know, you looked a little stressed last time. You know, things mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Checking in with each other. And if they think that there's something more that they need, then that's the time to ask a doctor. You know, we have physical health, but we also have mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's very okay to get, go to a qualified professional and ask, hey, you know, just to kind of check if things are okay or not. Um, you know, Tarek, with uh, your recognition of the need to find that place of balance and centeredness, mm-hmm. what I wanted to explore a little bit is, you know, with the kind of like the, the hackathon format, right, mm-hmm. which sometimes is almost uh, – and the, you know, sort of the antithesis of, of finding balance, right? Because sure. you're into this 45, 50-hour intensive eat junk food and stay awake and, you know, just intense stress right, over that right. period of time. Isn't that sort of the antithesis of, of finding that, that place of mindfulness and, and <laughs> meditation? Uh, I, yes and no. So if it's something that that's how you plan on working for the next year, then yes, it's the antithesis. But I don't think there's anything wrong with going through, you know, those push periods, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. should go through those sprint periods. Everybody should, I, I think, um, push yourself to the limit. See how far, you know, you can go. But remember to come back. Remember to come back to that healthy work-life balance. Don't keep pushing things off indefinitely, right? And so it's that balance that you need to do. Um, being an entrepreneur, dealing with stress, um, growing a company, it's just like any other habit that you form, right? It's just like going to the gym. It's just like it's training, Right, and you need to get used to working this way. The hackathons are great; they're a great w- w- little like boot camp, essentially, like a workout boot camp to train yourself. This is what you need to do to kickstart it, and you're going to need to do that inevitably in your startup at some point. You're going to need to work seventy-two hours straight. I mm-hmm, mean, it's happened mm-hmm. time and time again, right? So, I think it's great. It's a little snapshot into what life is like. Um, don't let it be a habitual thing, though, right? Well, so that's an important thing. I mean, you might get the impression if you're young going into a hackathon that, wow, this is it. This is how we have to be. <laughs> but I think it, it, it takes sort of that uh, experience, wisdom, like what you're conveying mm-hmm. to give them the sense that, yeah, you can be kind of intense, but you have to 
pull back and 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 you know kind of uh, 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 you know, smell of roses for a little bit just to center yourself. I mean, Steve, and, and do you find yourself having to tell some of the young guys that that's what they got to do all the time, all the time? You know, it's, when you're talking, you're, you're not listening, right? So that's you're better off at, in some stages of business development just mm-hmm. to be quiet, mm-hmm. just to be still. And uh, I, I, I think hackathons are fabulous. They're really fun and they're very innovative. It's kind of the sex in the whole operation, right? But the reality is, is there's a whole lot of like uh, quiet times in marriage. You know, there's only <laughs> the only bad part of the time that are like crazy and wild. But to make something sustainable, you have to think about the the deeper thoughts. You have to understand, right. uh, you know, finance, and you right. have to understand branding. And in fact, I think that for for the cohorts, um, uh, for, particularly for the information technology plays, if if they were to go through a cohort uh, and if anything, if they all they did was develop their brand, which to me is the name, right? Get the right name that's the right URL that you got the dot com extension that's intuitive, memorable, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. You get a logo behind it that's really iconic. If that's all you did in a cohort with your whatever twenty to fifty thousand bucks, that's that's the the thing that you can sell to. Mm-hmm. But with mm-hmm. without that, then you have no IP, right? You have no intellectual property because anybody that's going to come along, they're not going to say, oh, you got a you got a patent on your code. It's more like no, you own the intuitive rights to this idea, right? And that's what you can actually take to market. But all that means that you know that that brand, that literally the name, the logo, is the golden tip of the pyramid, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have to foreshadow everything that goes below it. So what's happening in, in a hackathon is you're doing a lot of those lower cornerstone bricks, mm-hmm. but you really have to evolve it up higher in order to get to that that big brand. So right in the you know last couple of seconds that we have, I mean, when do you know that you gotta? Ask somebody or talk to somebody because you're at the point where, you know, maybe you need some help. Yeah, well, as we talked about, we we shouldn't wait until and kind of putting things off until things really snowball and become a really kind of serious problem. Part of it is prevention and being uh, looking out for, for things. So things like uh, not feeling excited about things anymore, not feeling interested in things you used to, feeling over overwhelmed, stressed, maybe irritable, just kind of checking in with people and say, you know, how did I do this week? How was I today? Mm-hmm. Getting that feedback. Mm-hmm. And when in doubt, it's very okay to just make an appointment with the doctor to uh, uh, or a provider to see how things are going. Ooh, so Good, yeah. good. I think, uh, you know, having a meditation practice is probably uh, one of the key things. Where can we find more information about the work that you do? Yeah, so um, I have some information on my personal website. It's at uh, ryanklui.com. Okay. And um, I put some resources about where uh, viewers can get uh, general information about uh, mental health issues from American Psychiatric Association and the National Institutes of Mental Health. Sounds good. Well, Dr. Ryan Louie is at the John A. Burns School of Medicine researching the psychiatry of entrepreneurship. Tarek Sultan runs Sultan Ventures and Accelerate UH. And of course, Steve Sue is a serial entrepreneur who runs Biz Gym and Lemonade Alley, which is coming up, uh, I guess, in April. Thank you all for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. Thank, thank, thank you. you. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we talk about creating and maintaining an online meeting and dating marketplace. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And of course, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. We leave you with our song pick of the week. I just couldn't resist. Here's Queen and David Bowie with Under Pressure. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Chipping.